Adoption Arena podcast is a positive, engaging look at adoption and fostering, presented by Joy Carter, an adoptee and advocate. Hello, a very warm welcome to today's show. Today, I'm keen to find out about some of the changes the British government has made to overseas adoptions and how that affects adopters. What will the changes do to help fight against child trafficking in adoption? And finally, I asked my panel, why is the adoptive voice so important today? Well, you're listening to the final episode of the first season of Adoption Arena podcast. I know, it was really sad, but exciting. So please do subscribe, follow us on social media and tell your friends. Your questions and feedback are so important to us because it really helps us gauge your opinions and produce a show that really reflects your concerns in this adoption field. Well, joining me today are two highly respected and internationally renowned social workers, Chris Atkins from the IAC, the Centre for Adoption, and co-founder of TAG, the Transracial and Transnational Adoption Group, along with Judith Alexis Augustine Craig, a transracial adoptee from Haiti, who is a speaker and social worker specialising in adoption and fostering. Both, like me, are transracial adoptees and really, really good friends. So can I ask you, Chris, what has happened? What's happened is the um, the British government, the DfE, have quite rightly decided to put in an extra layer of scrutiny into the children that are available for adoption in Nigeria. And that scrutiny is right. Because every child, no matter where they are, no matter whether or not it's intercountry or it's domestic, all the checks should be in place to ensure that adoption is in that child's best interest. So regardless of where you are in the world, regardless of where, you know, whether or not you're, you're in the UK or you're in Nigeria or you're in India or Pakistan, all of those checks should have been done to ensure that adoption A is in the child's best interest and B is the child's only option. I'm of an opinion, and I think many other people are, so yeah, that uh, yeah, adoption should be the last option. It is, it, it is the only order that severs a legal link to birth family. That is immense. There is no other order in the world that severs a link to, to, to birth to biological family in the way that an adoption order does. And, and for that reason, every check possible should be made to ensure that this is the right path to go down. Because... You, you, you know, so it, it, it's not just like yeah, every yeah, every case should be checked um, against that criteria, and it's right that that scrutiny is is there because ch- these children, these young people, cannot say themselves. You know, so they need responsible people in in place to ensure that their their rights to you know, a family and a family if possible within their country their, their country of birth um, 
whether or not there's somebody there, <laughs> whether or not they can remain there before looking elsewhere. Yeah, because, now, yeah. Because obviously, my instant concern, and in, in, I think it's a brilliant, brilliant piece that this government is, is finally putting into legisl legislation. However, um, what about those children going to America? I mean, isn't this just going to push the problem onto other countries? We know about the child trafficking. You know, is 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 it? Do other countries have to step it up? Like something, you know, like like America, for example. You know, and other places in Europe. You know, Germany have a lot of adoptions. Is it enough that we're doing this? Well, we, I mean, at the end of the day, we, we, we can do what we do as, as a country, you know, and we have to make sure that our own house yeah. is clean, as it were. You know, I would hope that, that, that other countries will do, do the same, and they do. A lot of other countries do ensure that, that, that you know, that all, all adopt, you know, children are, are legally and legitimately brought into countries for, for adoption. Um, yeah. And I, I think it is, as, you know, within different countries, we have to check that the, the, the kind of, for want of a better word, the provenance of children, that, you know, those checks have gone in place with the agencies that are in that country and that there are agent, you know, there are very robust agencies within, within, countries of origin um that will check that out there are a number of you know so Judith what are your thoughts on this I mean what's happening over in Canada you know are they are they very robust with their truck with their checks on 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 overseas adoptions yeah I know there are um, a lot of checks that go on and a lot of people you know their biggest complaint is I have to wait you know, yeah. 18 months, two years and beyond, which is difficult. And we, you know, I acknowledge that because when you're sort of ready to start your family and this is how you're choosing to do it, that's hard without a doubt. You know, if you biologically have a child, you're waiting nine and a half months approximately, right? And and with adoption, it, it is longer. It also means you're you're delaying, you know, the age of your child coming to you, right? So those things are all taken into account. But I echo what Chris has said. We've got to, got to, got to get this right. More due diligence is definitely necessary because at the end of the day, we know the ugly side of this is child trafficking. And I actually have several people, you know, in my network, my adoption network, who essentially were trafficked, who were stolen from their families. And uh, several of them who years later did reunite, the pain, the agony, the horror, you know, and I think people need to pause and think for a second. This is having your child that you have birthed and brought into life and very much want, you know, love having in your life are part of your family, gone, removed from your family. And just give pause for a second. What does that do to a person? We know there's mental health comes out of it. Substance misuse comes out of it. You know, we're talking extreme depression. This is horror on another level your whole life searching and never knowing what's happened to your child. To me, you know, as a parent, that is my worst, my absolute worst nightmare that your child is just removed and you never know what's happened to them because at the end, you don't know if your child's being loved on or cared for or brought up in a home or if they're in some other horrendous situation, you know, being, being, you know, from sex slave slavery to, you know, domestic servitude. You don't know what's happening. Your child is just gone from you. So we've got to get this right. Families just don't deserve that. 
do you think that sometimes, um, like, like, um, like coming back to you, Chris, do you think that sometimes we're too hasty to take children away from, um, from, from biological parents? Do you think more could be done to help those parents, you know, if they are in a damaging situation and with the hope that that child could eventually maybe go back? Uh, yeah, I think a lot of countries now, yeah, and the, as Judith said, you know, a lot of the doctors get very frustrated because there is a long, long wait because you know, not, not only do they have to, certainly in the UK and probably in Canada as well, so they have to go through almost the same um, adoption assessment process as, as, as any other adopter. So that is certainly in the UK, that on average can take you know, should take six can take longer than six months because they of all the checks and particularly during kind of covid and pandemics it's taking longer but that you know, that's only the beginning of the journey for them and of the process you know and that's a relatively simple process from this end once they once they get beyond that once they've been approved uh, uh, as uh, as adopted you know that they're, they're suitable to adopt then comes the other bit and that you know depending on the country if if they're if they're applying to adopt an unknown child so a child they don't that's not already connected to them or, or known to them then that can take anything up to 3 years because what's happening is their paperwork is sent off. That's been scrutinised by another agency in the country of or a child's origin that they want to go to. Then they, you know, the country, you know, if they once they, you know, located or whatever, that that those processes also have to be w within that country to check the child that that this child, you know, hasn't been trafficked. And is genuinely an adoption is genuinely the best option for the, for this child, and they'll be checking that out as well. So, uh, yeah, uh, I don't think, to be honest with you, my experience at the moment would indicate that adopting from overseas is not an easy option, and it's not an easy option for the adopters because they have to go through that, they have to wait for it, you know, for it. On top of which. To be brutal or not, it is a very, very expensive option as well because they, they have to pay for the entire process from beginning to end. You know, whereas, uh, and we could debate whether or not that's right. Um, we can, you know, have that conversation as to whether or not people who are actually, you know, people in the UK certainly, I don't know what it's like in Canada, Judith, but yeah, the people who are adopting relative children who have lost their parents in country of origin. So there is a very genuine reason why they are, that are adopting that actually they, they have to pay for that assessment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Quite, but yeah. The, 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 so it's, I don't think it, it's a simple option. It's certainly not a cheap option. Uh, for for adopters to do that, um, mm. Mm. yeah, it's, it, you know, it's 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 one of those, it's a very difficult difficult topic. And I still I think the the arguments and the discussions for transracial adoptions will go on. Um, it's it's different to when my parents adopted me. So my parents were kind of offered me, 
you, you know, and actually, I, I, I think when they mentioned money, it was more about money for paperwork and so on and so forth. So it was a, a token. I it forgot. A it, time. Yeah. Whereas now it's it, it it it's quite different because of the and obviously and quite rightly the process of of, of assessment that every adopter has to go through. Whereas my parents didn't. And back in the day, I doubt, you know, it was like, oh, okay. Yeah, my parents were offered me because they weren't deemed as being (laughs) suitable for domestic adoption because they were a a mixed um, religion um, household. Mm. And we can can debate that they they weren't suitable for domestic adoption. But, hey. We can offer you a Chinese baby. You know, it's like, oh, okay, how does that work then? <laughs> you know, um, I'm glad to say that the, that that now the 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 threshold and the scrutiny for everybody across the board is the same. You know, are you you know, are you able to safeguard and protect a child not only up to eighteen but eighteen and beyond? This is the section of the podcast where we say a special thank you to our sponsors and supporters and tell you of interesting events coming up. If you're interested in supporting our work by becoming a sponsor, then simply drop us an email to discuss. Alternatively, we'd love for you to join our community and support our work at Patreon. Simply go to Adoption Arena. Now, if you have an interesting event coming up that you'd like us to advertise, then again, simply get in touch. Just drop me an email at hello at adoptionarena.com. I look forward to hearing from you with any feedback or questions. Or just simply follow us on Instagram or Twitter at Adoption Arena. Let's get back to the episode. It would be nice if you could say something about the importance of the adoptee voice. Um, starting with you, Judith, what, how important has it been for you to find your voice? And, um, and what would you like to say to anybody listening to this in a few words? Mm-hmm. <laughs> to sum it up here. No, I, I really think that our voices as adoptees have far too long been essentially silence. And I'm so happy to see movements happening to allow our voices to be heard. Uh, We are the ones who are at the core of this really and surely. And I think sometimes that gets a little lost, unfortunately, but it's important to acknowledge and recognize that. I think the journey can be full of such a wide range of emotions, right? We look at sort of, and we don't have enough time to dig into it today, but there's the seven stages that are that are involved. And loss is at the core of that. So I go back to loss and not just think, oh, she's so negative and negative Nelly, she's focusing on that. But I think what's happened is that because that has been ignored for so long. So what happens is then the adoptee doesn't have a grounding and we want adoptees to be grounded so they can go on and live very healthy and happy lives. So when we, when we look from an adoptee perspective, loss, acknowledgement, grief, and then being able to grow and flourish and being able to, to straddle these lines because we are forever a part of two families, you know, and I think that's something that's, that's very, very important. How we make up our identity is pulling 
from both of these, you know, our, our, our family of origin and our adoptive families and tying that together and making sort of a quilt, if you will, or a, a beautiful painting that makes us up. And it's a very unique perspective. It's a very unique experience. And connecting with other adoptees, I believe, is also such a key key element of feeling like you said when you walked into that space and it I felt the same way when you know I first walked into the group with tag I was in awe and I felt my voice was finally heard I had a safe place to land and I am forever grateful and appreciative see I'm using the word but in a positive way and appreciative to Chris and and Perlita may she rest in peace because the fact that they held the space for us as adoptees and when I say it was life-changing for me it was absolutely life-changing it was healing it was grounding and it's what really has catapulted me into being the woman I am today in all of my different hats that I wear and I, I just think that's another really integral part is to have connection with fellow adoptees who are on this journey and to get the support you need you know at professionally whatever that looks like for you making sure you have that support and um that's my nutshell version. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not running for presidency. Um, <laughs> brilliant. Um, Chris, is there any final closing words you'd like to say about the importance of our voices? Yeah, I, I mean, I guess, yeah, started, yeah we started the, the Transnational and Translational Adoption Group out of recognition that we, and certainly I, but many of the other people, we'd grown up in isolation of ourselves, but also of isolation of each other. So, uh, yeah, we started it because, yeah, with a simple premise that we wanted to bring transnational and transracial adoptees together in the same room to have those discussions and, and to connect. And um, over the years, decades now it is, that's what we've done. Um, and it, it still remains as a very quite a simple, we have no highfalutin ideas for, for, for conquering the world of adoption, so on and so forth. We simply want to bring people together so that they can connect with each other. And I think that hopefully that, that's what we've done. I think unless people who resource adoption support services who work with with um, adopted children and families unless they listen to the experiences of those of us who have that lived experience of adoption my question will always be how do you develop effective services to support fam children and families as you go forward if you are not going to listen to the people who continue to live live this on a daily life and i think far too too often people think they're doing the right thing but they've not consulted with an adoptee yeah. so so that you know and I, I i do think that that needs to needs to continue in you know and Polita was always, and with, with, with in search of belonging, was one of you know, a seminal book in bringing out the voices of transnational and transracial adoptees in a way that had, had never happened before, and actually <laughs> hasn't really happened again on that on, on that kind of level. And I, yeah, I'm sometimes at a loss as to know why um, people don't consult and ask more often, really. 
So, well, and it's a shame because I think developing services, it, you know, adopted children grow up into be adopted adults. We don't stop at 18. <laughs> no, we have lies to do. Well, thank you so much for, for both of you for joining me and, and, for, and for really sharing your personal experiences because it's always... It's always difficult well, for many people watching. I want to encourage you. It can be difficult to share your voice, but it's really important that that you heal, you develop your what you'd like to say because your knowledge can literally go on to help other people develop services and also encourage people who are behind you, young people who need to hear your experiences to, to give them the confidence that they can get through the very difficult, complex issues of identity. That was so powerful. Thank you so much for listening. And of course, to my two special guests, Judith, Alexis, Augustine Craig and Chris Atkins. Now, the book that Chris mentioned earlier is by the late Dr. Polita Harris called Chosen, Living with Adoption, which is available at Amazon and Waterstones. It's a really important piece of writing and poetry written by 50 adopted adults born between 1934 to 1984. Well, that's the end of series one. A huge thank you and a massive shout out to everyone who's helped work on the production and of course thank you to yourselves for listening and supporting us your feedback ideas and comments are so important so please do keep them coming either via our social media platforms or of course just drop me an email we are back early june for series two your generous support really does make this podcast and website possible you can support us on Patreon or visit the website or the W's adoptionarena.com. It would be great if you could subscribe to the newsletter, tell your friends and keep the conversation about adoption, fostering and care alive. I look forward to hearing from you. Stay well, stay happy and of course, always be yourself. I'll see you at Series 2. Much love, take care. Bye-bye.